0: Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. We're joined by uh, Chris Alexander, former Canadian ambassador to Afghanistan. He's also the former federal immigration minister in the government of Stephen Harper and uh, ambassador alexander has been very active uh, along with his wife on the issue of afghanistan and the people that they know and they know need to get out of that country to save literally save their lives ambassador alexander good to talk to you how are you
1: i'm well thank you it's been a tough few weeks though as you uh, have been correctly noting it's not not just for me but for millions of people caught up in this it is so difficult
0: the stories that we're hearing. There are times, Ambassador, where I hear something and I wonder, should I actually talk about this on the air? Is anything served by my detailing what happens? But we'll come to that bridge when we cross it, the cliche, you know, when we get to it. Uh, What's your view of the last months and weeks and days in Afghanistan?
1: Well, I'm torn, uh, really torn. And I think my wife, too, and and those who are closest to us, Afghan friends and others who worked with us in Afghanistan, torn between the the absolute uh, visceral need to do something now, uh, and we've had, you know, we've been in that mode for weeks now to help people that we know are really facing threats. I mean, it's not just that life has changed under the Taliban; uh, it's that. These people, whatever they may be saying publicly, are going door to door looking to settle accounts. And by settling accounts, I mean looking to lock up torture and in many cases eliminate, kill in cold blood, the people that are priorities for their revenge. Uh, so we ha- all have a visceral uh, need, human need, to help those in most danger. And it's been quite moving to see these networks of people appear uh, and and do quite amazing things, things that seemed impossible, but it hasn't been enough. And and then the other side that's tearing at us is the need to talk about the much bigger issue, which is the fate of the people, 35, 40 million Afghans who will be in their country whenever this airlift ends, whether it takes 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 uh, whether you know half a million, a million people move as refugees, the most Afghans are still going to be living in this new darkness, uh, and we need to respond to that larger issue as well. It means humanitarian needs, but it also means uh, meeting you know basic needs. But it also means uh, charting a political path that ensures the world responds. Uh, effectively and doesn't let this get any worse
0: yeah i i read a piece that you wrote uh the headline is preventing invasions seven lessons after the fall of kabul Uh, and you have very strong views about pakistan's role in what's going on in afghanistan and you challenge pakistan on engineering and carrying out a proxy war in afghanistan and in fact using the taliban to uh, further their own, there being Pakistan's, objectives. you speak to us about that?
1: Yeah, I I think this is the untold story, and when I talk about charting the political path, this is really what I'm thinking about, and I hope more and more people are thinking about. When 9-11 happened and our troops went and stayed for so long, it wasn't actually a new uh, conflict that had erupted because... We came to Afghanistan. We were joining a conflict that had been going on since the 1970s, as the Pakistani army made it their central doctrine, their central strategic objective in their region to dominate Afga- Afghanistan, and after the breakup of the Soviet Union, uh, to extend their influence into Central Asia. And they called this doctrine "strategic depth." They pursued it with ten years for ten years with in partnership with the United States from 79 to 89 when, uh, as you know, the Soviet Union was occupying Afghanistan. And that has made a lot of Americans nostalgic about Pakistan as an ally, uh, willing to look the other way when there have been accusations about Pakistan's role. Uh, But the U.S. left that uh, war in 1989. And ever since, Pakistan has been continuing to interfere in Afghanistan, Uh, using different groups, Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, um, the Pakistani version of the Taliban called TTP, and then more recently the Islamic State uh, of Khorasan, which is said to be based in Afghanistan, uh, to regain power in Afghanistan. And they lost – they had it for five years when the Taliban were in power. They lost it. We failed in our strategy as – international community to take full account of how much they wanted it back. And I think for them, Ray, Roy, the, uh, the, the key moment was that agreement the Trump administration struck in 2020 with the Taliban, uh, U.S. agreement with the Taliban, the Afghan government was left out, the deadline for U.S. troops to leave was the end of April of this year. And the Pakistani army, as I now see it in retrospect, went to work putting in place a plan for an invasion that would start right about the end of April or the beginning of May. Uh, And their top general went to Kabul on May the 10th. And now, as the reporting shows, uh, the, the major Taliban military offensive started the next day, May the 11th. And it went like clockwork and Kabul fell on August the 15th. So this is not a bunch of terrorist groups with chips on their shoulders or uh, an Islamist agenda that they learned in mosques. This is a carefully orchestrated state campaign to invade another state. And, and we should be taking that more seriously because, you know, the rules of the game, borders, sovereignty, non-interference matter a great deal. When Putin invaded Ukraine, he was sanctioned, uh, he and his team. Right. Very severely to the right. point where that invasion stopped. Yeah. We haven't done anything like that with Pakistan, and in my view, it's a double standard. We should start uh, standing up for for the sovereignty of countries everywhere and against any country that dares to invade. It's a threat to international peace and security.
0: Ambassador Alexander, what is your assessment of uh, the the work that has been done by the current federal government, on the Afghanistan issue. You were not only the ambassador to Afghanistan, but you were also the federal immigration minister. How do you assess uh, this government's performance? Well, I think there are three points to make. First, uh,
1: the the stated objective of bringing 20,000 Afghans as refugees to Canada, victims of this turn of events quickly, uh, was welcome. And it's unprecedented. I don't think any other country made that commitment. But as soon as we made it, we failed to implement it. Uh, and I think this chasm between promises and action, between expectations and delivery, is, is really killing us. Uh, we have underperformed. Uh, we have micromanaged, as Andrew Leslie says. Uh, we were among the earlier countries to take our own Canadians off the ground uh, at Kabul Airport, Uh, and that makes us blind and unable to do more. Moreover, we are the only country uh, that has called an election, not an election that had to be held, not an election that was required by law, an unnecessary election, a a frivolous election, uh, was called on the very day that Kabul fell. And and looking back... That's true. Uh, I, I, I think it's a, an insult to the Canadians that served over 20 years and and to our friends and allies. We should be more focused on this crisis. It deserves that.
0: Okay. We have one minute left, uh, Ambassador Major Gen- General Jeffrey Schlosser, the commanding officer of the 101st U.S. Airborne Division in Afghanistan, who will be back on the program with us tomorrow, told us last time he was on, some weeks ago, that we will, in the not-too-distant future, be revisiting the kind of terror campaigns which preceded and ultimately led to 9-11. What do you think?
1: I think he's right. I know Jeff, I know how well, I know the 101st very well from their multiple tours. Uh, These people who served with me, with Andrew Leslie, see the threat we're facing, clearly. It's not just the Islamic State or a few elements of the Taliban It's a hybrid war quarterbacked by Pakistan's intelligence service that has global jihad as on its agenda. Uh, And, you know, my heart breaks when I hear people saying we have to work with the Taliban against the Islamic State. They have the same source. And we've got to start looking at this challenge in a more strategic way. Uh, and I think Jeff Schlosser and, and others in Washington uh, and in the United States are probably not too happy with what this administration or the previous administration were doing. Right. We need people in Congress in the Canadian par- Parliament and elsewhere to start talking, speaking the truth on these issues, getting strategy right. It doesn't have to involve more troops, but it has to involve better policies to prevent the kind of nightmare scenario that he was outlining to you. Mm-hmm.